Hello, this is Ian Knives and the second episode of the Tokyo Ponderings podcast. I want to thank all my friends, all my followers on Facebook and Twitter who downloaded the first episode, who gave their feedback, and I will try to improve technically and from interview point of view. But for me, key to improvement is practice. So I will just practice more and we'll try to record a new episode every week. I hope I can keep up with that pace. The next interview is also, unfortunately, acoustically challenged. So sorry for all those elevator sounds and uneven sound level. I tried to clean it up as much as I can. The interview for today will be with my close friend, Terence Chen who is from Hong Kong and have a unique viewpoint on mainland China, Japan and of course Hong Kong itself. He made a pretty bold move of moving to Beijing for two years, uncommon for a person from Hong Kong. I hope you like it. Now to the interview. Hello. Today I have a new guest, Terence Chen, a student from KU University, my friend, and we're going to talk about Hong Kong, China, and Japan. Hello, Terence. Hi. Can you introduce yourself a bit? Um, where are you from? I'm from Hong Kong. So which part of Hong Kong you're from? I used to live in Hong Kong Island, but then I moved to Kowloon. When you, were, when you were born, it still was an independent kind of country, right? That is true. Or part of Britain, let's say. Yes. Do you feel that affected your education in a certain way? How does education work in Hong Kong in general? Actually, for me, it was a long story since I was born in Hong Kong. Right. But almost immediately, I left Hong Kong because my parents had to be working in Japan. So I stayed in Japan for about a year, and yet again I moved to Canada because of my parents' jobs. It was not until I was five that I returned back to Hong Kong. So, but you went to your primary school in Hong Kong, right? Yes. When I returned to Hong Kong, my parents put me into one of the local schools that are common in Hong Kong owned by the government. So I had to get used to the whole local environment once again. I had to learn my Chinese from scratch. I remember failing dictation tests from zero marks and gradually just getting up to 45 out of 100. And it was quite tough but when I started my second year where I had more friends then I enjoyed it it was a boys school compared to the first year where I basically refused to ride the bus because I just did not want to go to school by the way Terence um, about the school another question you mentioned that you used to fail your tests, but what was the language of education in Hong Kong schools? Was it Cantonese or was it Mandarin or a mix of both and plus English? At that point, um, education was in 
Cantonese. And then although in I also studied my university, my bachelor's degree in Hong Kong, and it was supposed to be an English school. I w- everyone was supposed to uh, take their lectures in English, though some of the teachers decided to speak in Cantonese anyways. Okay. You feel that Cantonese as a language is developed enough to be a language of even university-level education, right? Yes, there is always the discussion that probably students benefit more from studying in Cantonese. Why exactly? Well, for example, sometimes perhaps it's not the native language for the teacher and it's not the native language for the student as well. And how can you guarantee that the student is um, gaining the most out of, out of this uh, out of this teaching right. like back and forth experience? Actually, I want to go back a little bit. Okay. Before university, I was also educated in um, what people call international schools. And in Hong Kong, there is a um, organization called the ESF, English Schools Foundation. So um, it was my parents' idea, my, my, my parents' idea to let me try having a go at international schools since I wasn't doing as well in local schools at that time. So it was a really big change for me when I made the move to international school. I made, immediately felt more in touch with the people there, even though they did not speak Cantonese. So in your class in the international school, could you say how many kids were f- originally from Hong Kong and how many of them were from, let's say, expat families from uh, America, UK? Mm. I'd say around maybe 20, 20, I can't say the exact percentage, right. though from my memory, I can recall maybe around 20 to 30 percent of local Hong Kong people. And uh, I'm not sure if it can add up to 100 anyways. Mm-hmm. But And then there were people from Korea, from Japan, from India, from uh, Australia. And then there were um, the sons and daughters of the teachers who, who worked in the school. And they were mostly uh, from Britain. Um, and the teachers themselves... They were mostly from Britain? Yeah, Britain and uh, Australia, New Zealand, basically. So now, can you tell a little bit about that period when you moved to Beijing? Mm. When you told me the story that you decided to move to Beijing from Hong Kong, it's not a usual thing to do for a person from Hong Kong. Is it, is it hard for a Hong Kong person to go to mainland China legally? Do you have to get a, let's say, visa or a specific passport or something? Mm, Not difficult, Mm. but in terms of documents, there is this special card that Hong Kong people can register for. And direct translation would be um, go home card. 
Mm-hmm. So if you um, if you get yourself a go home card, um, then you can basically anytime you like you can cruise in China, and you don't need a foreigner's residence card or anything like that. Mm, just a little detour here. So, is there such thing as Hong Kong citizenship, or, or, or are all the subjects of Hong Kong are now citizens of mainland China technically? Mm, no, it's separate. So, for example, there is a um, Hong Kong ID card that, and people in China they have a what they call an account, um, and they have Chinese passport. And people in Hong Kong have the permanent Hong Kong ID card. If they've actually, let's say, if you Ian decides to stay in Hong Kong for right. over seven years, you can also obtain such a card. And then um, people in Hong Kong have the. Some people have the British National Overseas passport, but they don't issue that anymore. Mm, the mainstream um, documents are Hong Kong ID card and the go home card. Some people have the Hong Kong passport, which is um, listed as a SAR. So SAR means Special Administrative Region of, um, like China. If I would stay in Hong Kong for seven years, I can get the permanent residence there, but I can't get the this Hong Kong. Passport. Uh, Hong Kong passport. Actually, I'm not sure, but I, I I know that if you've stayed in Hong Kong for seven years, right. made the contributions, then it's fine. You can get. Okay, I see. So for you, it was not that hard to go home back into China. No. And when you moved to Beijing, what was the general reaction of new people who met you? Okay, so it's actually quite interesting for me since back in Hong Kong, when we greet newly met people, we don't really ask where you're from or because there's no idea or concept of country in Hong Kong. It's just a city. But rather in China, when you meet new people, people ask where you're from. Maybe they hear, they listen for your accent, and they don't need to ask. They don't even need to ask. But Beijing is a city with not only Beijing people who are pretty、mm, hard to find nowadays, but it's really a place where you can find basically any type of、uh, Chinese people from any type of city. And then、um, I try to keep my disguise as a Chinese person, but then when they they notice that. Y- I'm speaking weird Mandarin, so they ask where you're from. Then I say Hong Kong. Then one of the reactions that I get most was, "Ah,、oh, Hong Kong is such a nice and developed place. Why are you here?" <laughs> <laughs> like this type of reaction. You mentioned your Mandarin. I wonder, couldn't you have said that you're from, let's say, Guangzhou,、mm. as your disguise? Uh, right. So, if you, if speaking about my disguise, at first I did not disguise myself. I just said, "Hi, I'm from Hong Kong. 
as all. But gradually, I really disliked having this Hong Kong conversation about oh, Hong Kong so developed. Why are you here?、Mm-hmm. That type of conversation. So I gradually just said, I'm from the south. So people could ah、oh, understand that、mm, your voice is different from us northerners. Yeah, you're from the south. Where? <laughs> then, then I say from Guangzhou. Were you working in Beijing? At first,、uh, I had no work, but then gradually I met some friends, and friends、uh, introduced me to other friends. Then I found myself work in this、uh, small boutique selling seventies to eighties. Retro Chinese furniture and collectibles. Were you a salesman there? I was salesman slash、uh, assistant to interior designer. Oh, and you worked there for two years, one year? No, no, like not even all, like maybe half a year. Yeah. Before that.、Uh, Somehow, my landlord introduced me to a farming job. So, I was for for two months. I was farming in Beijing. Wow, there are farms in Beijing. Yeah, yeah. Like not in the Beijing city, but、mm-hmm. like let's say,、uh, I think two or three two or three hours bus ride from Beijing city. Terence, after、yeah. living in Beijing for the time you lived there, did your perception of China, of mainland China as a country, changed? And if it changed, in what way did it change? Well, speaking very naively, I believe that、uh, it was really big change for me because, okay, let's say when I first went, I really. Did not have the courage to eat an apple bought in China. Basically, I questioned myself with the apple in hand: Is this edible? I don't know where such values come from. Probably from a Hong Kong family is common to have such、um, negative、uh, perceptions of China and Chinese products and whatever, right? Right. But gradually, through experiences、uh, with friends and just around the city, I felt like such values are wrong and do not exist. You know what I what I wanted to ask you all the all the time. So you are the person who who were born in Hong Kong, who lived in Canada for six years, then moved back to Hong Kong, then lived in China. Do you see China as your Home country, or do you see it as a foreign country for you still? To me, it, I can't say it's my home country because、um, it's not home. But I feel like same people, you know,、mm-hmm. like not place, but you know, like same people. Why are we pushing away same people? That's what I don't like.、Uh, Like I feel like we share same values originally, but somehow people in Hong Kong differentiate themselves. 
or even to a certain extent, like to differentiate themselves from their own people. Why? I don't like this, <laughs> really. And by the way, the same values that you said,、mm. do you feel that Japan shares same values with China and Hong Kong, or is it different country for you?、Mm, for in Japan, since I don't, you know, I can speak, but I don't have full command over the language, so I can't really say. But like formally, there are same values, you know. Like if you speak formally, like let's say we share same values as compared to Western values, we can say that.、Um, but you know, on a、uh, level of Like family or personal relationships, I can't really tell yet. But I just know that formally there are some things that we can easily understand, as maybe like East Asian people.、Um. Another another topic that I myself always, I guess, suffer from、mm. or have problems with is making friends in Japan.、Mm. You see, probably the way friendship works here is very different to what I'm used to back in Russia.、Mm. It's not as casual as you might meet a person for the first time, and then next time you meet him, he invites you to his house.、Mm. You let's say drink together or、mm. do something together, and become much closer to each other. In Japan, there's a certain distance that、mm. people always keep with each other. Yeah, actually, I heard. Uh, in terms of this, I have two stories to tell. One is、uh, my conversation with one of my senpais. So we are pretty close. So I don't even ask him, and he would tell me his, you know, like opinions. And then one day we were just sitting, and he was telling me about,、uh, yeah, you know, sometimes Japanese people don't understand how Chinese people are so. Uh, willing to quickly become friends, and、um, rather,、um, we feel like we should keep some distance、uh, between us. Well, he he said that to me, and this reminds me of what you said. So I guess it's true. And the second story. And the second story is not exactly everyone has this distance thing. For example, recently I was quickly invited to someone's house and、um, cooking together and drinking together. Pretty much first or second meeting. But if I will find myself in Hong Kong one、mm. at one point in life, do you think it will be easier for me to make friends, or、mm. uh, maybe it might be easier to make international friends? But how about local Cantonese? Mm. Or if you can say local people in Hong Kong, do you think they are more willing to, I don't know, invite a person to their house just than people here in Japan? Well, let me think. Yeah, yeah, perhaps I I can feel so. S- since like in Hong Kong, they're they won't really treat you as a foreigner or.、Um, Someone、mm-hmm. who is not from Hong Kong, since anyone who is in Hong Kong has somehow has business in Hong Kong to do, like business not as business, 
but just have the uh, people since you're in Hong Kong, you you must have a reason of your own to be to be here right mm-hmm. now. So I guess there there really isn't that much of a local and foreigner thing going on. So if you're willing to make friends, then it's easy. For example, in Hong Kong, I'm sitting on a train, and then I really like the bag, the brand of the bag that the guy next to me is carrying. Then I just say to him, "Hi, your bag is very good. I know the brand. Can I take a picture of you?" And then no problem. Wow! And you will say no matter how the guy looks like. If he looks black or white or no, it's not Chinese. not not the question. Wow, <laughs> it's his bag. Yeah, the, yeah, that perception that perception they have in Hong Kong is. I wish they had that perception in Japan, and I think that Tokyo is changing to a certain extent. That perception of foreigners in Tokyo is different than in other parts of Japan. Mm. But you know, like after living in Japan for maybe two years. I think it's not 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 that they they want to feel like foreigner is foreigner, but um, even me being living in Japan for maybe like two years now, whenever I'm sitting on a train and I hear a language other than Japanese being spoken on the train, then I can I immediately hear, know where it is and look towards that side. Because I guess trains in Japan is very, you know, silent most of the time, and when you hear a foreign language, then the the tones are so different that you can easily make out where it's coming from, and you just naturally look that way. I guess. Well, um, the last question I'm going to ask you today is: How do you see Hong Kong in less than? Thirty years, I guess, or more than th- in thirty-two years. Currently, uh, Hong Kong and China is going through a very tough phase of recognizing each other as their own people.、Um, but I feel like gradually this tension would ease out, and there would be more emphasis on、um, practical things such as. Let's say in how many years? Like thirty years.、Yeah. Then I think people originally from Hong Kong, yet wanting to live in where they're from.、Um, I guess it's important to make out the difference that not like economically Hong Kong maybe does not.、Um, Basically, Hong Kong has its only own, has its own way of living, and the only way that this own way of living can be demonstrated is if the people inside Hong Kong can start coming up with ideas and businesses. Or, for example,、um, let's say in seventies, like there was a lot of、uh, industrial work in Hong Kong. And then gradually,、uh, Hong Kong become a service, more service sector type of place, and in general, just a、um, 
like a hub for business people to hop here, hop over there. And then now there's the thing where Hong Kong is really dependent on the goals of China and how it wants Hong Kong to um, develop in the future. Mm. But I think um, in 30 years, I think people in Hong Kong would continue to try to imagine or start things of their own to define how Hong Kong itself makes a living. Um, not in order to um, differentiate themselves from the interests of China, but uh, based on the based on the mixed culture of Hong Kong from like British values and Chinese values and just Hong Kong values. Um, I, I believe that they have things they want to do themselves. Thank mm. you. Thank you for your time, Terence. That was Ian Knives and Terence Chen. Thank you and bye. <laughs>